Welcome to the Yee Medicine Show. I'm Elise Tara, and I'm here with my guest this week, Greg Cockerell. Greg, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, yeah, great having you. <laughs> um, I'm an acupuncturist. I've been practicing for just over 10 years now. Yeah. I have a practice in Roncesvalles called Live Hand Acupuncture. Um, I've been practicing in Toronto for five years now. I'm originally from Calgary, Alberta. Calgary. Is, yeah, that's right. Calgary. <laughs> um, where I did my acupuncture training there. Yeah. And then I moved here about five years ago. Okay. So you moved here like right toward the end of the regulatory setup with the CTC MPAO? Yes, I was pra- I was practicing here just prior to the regulation, so I was here during the trans I was here during the transition <laughs> from it being unregulated to regulated. Okay. But you were already a member of the I was, acupuncture Correct. A, what is it? A C It's C A A A C A A A which <laughs> Goodness. That's called, that stands for college yeah, the College of Association of Acupuncturists of Alberta. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And it used to be regulated it used to be regulated by the um, the College of Midwives in Acupuncture. Oh really? It changed while I was there, it changed to being self governing. Um, but I was also there for a transition of the regulatory process in Alberta. So that's interesting. Was it because they regulated midwifery and acupuncture at the same time? Correct. Who was, what, what, what was the government at the time? It must have been a conservative government, eh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah. It's interesting because when I was, uh, when I was in Arizona, yes. it, we had our own acupuncture board. Right. And they are in the process of deregulating, oh. or they've been talking about deregulating all of the CAM fields. Right. Uh, and other non-essential quote-unquote healthcare right uh professions yeah. so it's an interesting um i, I haven't been paying time. too much yeah. attention since i moved back here but uh that was where it was at right before i left yeah are you pro-regulation yes okay me too yeah absolutely um Ever since uh, I moved to Canada, like when I moved back, I started in Canada. Oh, okay. Uh, I had a practice in Ottawa for seven years before I moved to Arizona. Great. Um, and the sort of the nail of regulation for me was when I got a phone call from a guy who was, hey, I can see the points in my head and I've had a lot of acupuncture, so I'm opening up a practice down yeah. the street from you. Right. And I just was wondering if you could tell me over the phone how deep can I needle in the upper back before causing a pneumothorax. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you, you got to go get some classes. Like I had, yeah. I had gone to the New England School of Acupuncture, so I had a three-year master's level certificate. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was at that point. It was like, yeah, we really need to have, have some level of safety and compen- uh, competency. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, so what was it like for you having to go through two regulatory changes? It was outside of the paperwork, which was extensive. It was it was easy enough because I always even when I moved here, I kept up my my license in Alberta right and then I just had to do all of the paperwork right when the licensing happened here and I did all of that work and yeah. I applied and then it, it takes it's, it takes a while <laughs> and then they called me up and said actually you applied for the wrong type of license because you shouldn't have applied for general practitioner you should have applied for something which is called uh, a mobility license which doesn't mean anything to me that language says nothing to right. me right 
And so I had to reapply because I had certification already. So I had to start the whole process again. Oh my God. But did uh, they make you like pay additional fees? Um, the application fee, I had to do that twice. I was refunded for the application and then paid it again. So I didn't have to pay it twice, but it was a frustrating couple of months. But, uh, anyways, here we are now. Quite glad to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, how different is it there from here when you went through? Well, acupuncture in Alberta has been around, has been regulated for maybe up to 30 years. And so really? acupuncture is really well known and mainstream. Alberta is also quite a wealthy province. And so in terms of people with health care benefits, most people have, you know, a thousand or more coverage. Yeah. Um, you know, most people that are employed have that coverage. And so there's essentially every little strip mall in Calgary, and there's a lot of them, uh, has a TCM clinic. Okay. And so, you know, your neighbor, every, your neighbors on both sides essentially have experience with Chinese medicine and love it and go for acupuncture. So the big difference with coming here is, is that essentially it wasn't more popular than, you know, hot stone massage or crystal therapy, you know, it was really kind of seen like that. And people that had had acupuncture, you know, had it from their physiotherapist or someone else. They really had not had Chinese medicine. Acupuncture was quite rare yeah. for me to meet anyone that had had Chinese medicine acupuncture in Ontario. So that was the biggest transition. Yeah, I can see that because that makes... It changes the narrative completely yeah. when you live in a community. There are people where it's part of the daily right. conversation. Well, at least, you know, oh, so what are you doing for healthcare? Well, right. I do this, this, and I get acupuncture. Yes. So um, I know, so I saw where I lived in Arizona was this little town called Yuma, and it was a big. Um, snowbird community okay. in the wintertime. Yeah. So I had a lot of patients yeah. from BC, Alberta, okay. um, especially. And we had quite a few people from Alberta yeah. who would come down asking me if I did dry needling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Was that something that you had a lot of questions about? Like, did you find that people differentiated that way there? Not much. Not much. No, not that. That surprises me that because uh, I, I actually love the differentiation between yeah. dry needling and acupuncture. I think that acupuncture should be a protected term, just like acupuncturist is a protected title. Yeah. So, but uh, no, I've never had, I've never experienced that at all that someone asked me if I do dry needling. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite interesting. How, so let's talk about that because that's, that's a conversation I haven't had with anybody yet. Okay. Um, so what do you think then is the difference between acupuncture and dry needling? And why should it be differentiated? Well, dry needling isn't a great expression either. As people opposed to wet needling. Right, because people don't understand that term. Do you know the history of it? Do you know where it came about? I don't know the history of it. So um, there, I can't remember his name. There is a physiotherapist slash businessman. I can't remember where he started. Somewhere in the east coast of the U.S. who started teaching um, local needling techniques, okay. right? What came to be known as dry needling to mm-hmm. physiotherapists. Okay. And the reason it got the name dry needling was to differentiate it from hypodermic needling right. um, because of billing, basically, oh, and codes right. in physiotherapy in the United States. So because they were using, uh, they were actually using hypodermic needles to start really? with um, because they, from what I understood, and, you know, don't quote me on this because I haven't 
it's been a while since I've talked about it. But um, yeah, so they started off using hypodermic needles, but they were not injecting or pulling out fluid. So they called it dry needling to differentiate it. And also because uh, the guy who came up with this program, it was basically a 60 hour, four weekend training for physiotherapists that I think he then reduced to 30 hours. Yeah. If I remember correctly. And, um, he, he specifically wanted to differentiate what physiotherapists were doing from what TCM practitioners right. or Chinese medicine acupuncture was doing. Right. And the way he trains his uh, students, his physiotherapy students, mm-hmm. is by saying that dry needling is scientific right. and medicine-based right. and acupuncture is based on this weird woo-woo stuff and okay. therefore less effective and less relevant than okay. what he taught to physiotherapists. Ah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. So, And that's kind of how physiotherapy has been able to circumvent a lot of the older regulatory right. rules in the United States, which allow... which. Basically, many of the states that have regulation basically say acupuncturists only are allowed to practice acupuncture or acupuncturists and whatever additional uh, professions, mostly just chiropractors really, Mm -hmm. uh, got in when acupuncture was regulated because it's been regulated for so much longer than here. So yeah, so you you think that, or your, your opinion is that dry needling is not acupuncture or... Well, it's it's different. Yeah. And the, the same word shouldn't be applied for both. Right. I mean, acupuncture comes from Chinese medicine, and there's oh, you know, there's a multitude of different ways to practice acupuncture. Before we started, we were talking about Dr. Tan and balance method. Right. You know, there's a lot of different. It's like a pluralistic discipline, acupuncture of different styles and modalities. But it's all still working using the principles of yin yang five elements meridians and that's the basis of why it's applied Mm -hmm. and that's not present with dry needling it's all local musculoskeletal work right and so just based on that um for the sake of the public really is why i think it should be separated because when someone thinks they're getting acupuncture and really they're not getting chinese medicine um they're having yeah they're having musculoskeletal work done right and so I think that for the sake of the public, it should be differentiated. So the differentiation should be acupuncture is done under, the like in Ontario, the controlled act of performing a TCM diagnosis. Correct. And physiotherapists and other practitioners of biomedical needling right. who are not using TCM diagnosis, that technique should be called something else. In order to differentiate it from the for the public, correct. That's, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. the number of people uh, you get, like you get three people in a room together, and you ask them all what acupuncture is, and they give you three different. Absolutely. You know. You know, and how many acupuncturists does it take to screw in a? Well, right? <laughs> do you have Do you have an answer to that one? <laughs> oh gosh, I got to come up with one for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my cat has jumped onto your lap. Love it. I've never seen her do that before. Really? Yeah. I feel very lucky. Yeah. Do you have cats at home? Nope. I have a dog. You have a dog. I have a wonderful dog. And so my, my practice is in my home where I have two treatment rooms. Yeah. So, you know, cause sometimes people are there for half hour. Sometimes I want someone there for two hours. Right. And this right. is why I don't have to bookend people. So I love my two room set up and my dog is essentially my, my host. Nice. So if anything, people come for acupuncture cause they want it and then they come back to see the dog. 
And what's the name of your clinic again? <laughs> Live Hand Acupuncture. Live Hand Acupuncture. Yeah. Come for the treatment, yeah, stay, stay for, for the, the dog. Yeah, exactly. Really, really <laughs> sweet dog. Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to bring my dog to my clinic with me yeah. in Arizona. And uh, he often, he could tell if somebody was really anxious and he'd go right. into the treatment room with them. Yeah. Does your dog do that? I don't let him in the treatment rooms. But he does, yeah, especially if someone, you know, a lot of people go to acupuncture for anxiety or mental health, and he does seem to really pick up on when someone's having an off day, and yeah. he just, you know, rests his head right on their right on their knee as we're talking. Right. A lot of times he'll do that right when I'm taking pulse as well. So I'll go over and take one wrist, and he goes over and puts his, puts his chin on their other knee. It's, it's, it's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Ruko. Hi, Ruko. That's my dog. Aww. Yeah. He's listening. Tell me more about your practice. Do you, are you, do you see yourself as a generalist? Are you finding that you specialize, I'm sorry, not specialize, that you have a primary focus? I, I definitely consider myself a generalist by the nature of how Chinese medicine works. So there's nothing that I, I, you know, I know we're not allowed to have specialties, but there's not really an area in particular that I love. Right. Um, I love it all. The, what I love about my practice is that I'll fix someone's wrist and then they send a friend over and there's for an intestinal issue. Right. And also, you know, and it's just for something totally unrelated. You'd think, figure it'd be something else, muscular skeletal, but so I love that yeah. about practicing acupuncture. It's one of my favorite things is you never know what you're going to get. You can't get bored. Yeah. Um, and something else about my practice is that I do also do a lot of moxibustion, and I've always done a lot of moxibustion. Um, moxibustion is what initially got me into acupuncture. Oh yeah. It was my yeah. It was my first intro to Chinese medicine. Um, tell I, tell I, me the story. Yeah. So I sustained an injury. I used to do some some gymnastics, and then uh, one day I was doing gymnastics in someone's front yard, just kind of goofing around. And anyways, I. Uh, I was doing front flips and I, I injured my knee. So it was a bucket handle tear of my meniscus. Okay. And so I got an MRI and they're like, well, you need surgery because it's not going to heal. And I saw this, all the sports medicine doctor and the surgeon and they were like, well, it's never going to heal. So you have to get this operated. Yeah. And I wasn't keen on the operation. And then the person um, that treated me at the time was a Korean, was a, a Korean man. And he's like, oh, MRIs, all that stuff is, well, it's bullshit. It's like, <laughs> bullshit. You need moxa. So I'm like, okay. And I would always see, he was my martial arts teacher. And I would always see him treating different people in the back with this pungent smelling odor always coming from his offices. And so we did it. And he did direct moxibustion on my knee. Yeah. You know, probably about 20 times. I would come three times a week. And then um, after, you know, after two months, and my, my, my knee would lock. And I went, I'd be walking with like a peg leg for a few days, essentially, until it would just click back and I could move it again. Right. But I couldn't do any sports, you know, it would just always kind of lock on me. And then after the two months, my knee was feeling great. And then I started kind of jumping around again. And then, you know, I even got back into gymnastics and that was, you know, about 18, 18 years ago or so. Right. And like I have not had knee issues and I'm really hard on my knees. You know, I do jujitsu three times a week and stuff like that. And I've had no knee issues. And the, the surgeons and the doctors were like, I've never seen anything like this. They're like, they, they couldn't imagine how this happened. And so that was my introduction to the medicine. And then I initially did a, a music degree. And then after that, I really wanted to get into healthcare and medicine. And together with the philosophies of Chinese medicine that really resonated with me and with my experience and... Um, with moxa and with trigger point work, I just went and studied acupuncture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So now I find that I just love also practicing moxie yeah. question. I find it incredibly effective. Um, Acupuncture and needling is great, but there's so much more that's offered when you use it in conjunction with moxibustion. And of course, traditionally, acupuncture, jenjo, means needles and fire. Right. And in the Huangdine Jing, and in all the classics, like, well, complicated case, use, mo- use moxa. They're always referencing moxibustion. And I find that not a lot of people are using moxibustion um, these days. Yeah. Part of that is, I think, because of smoke. And part of that is just a lack of, it's not taught much or taught well in schools. That's no mm-hmm. fault of the schools. But I think a lot of it just became kind of lost. And so right now, there's this new type of moxa that's emerging from China called heat-sensitive moxibustion. So even though it's the same old moxa that you've always known about, it's this kind of specific technique of moxa where essentially you're using duchi sensation with a moxa stick. And uh, so that's the seminar that's coming up. There's a seminar coming up. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's <laughs> April 20th, I think you said. Yeah, April 20th to the 22nd. Yeah. Three-day level one certification course on this style of moxa called heat-sensitive moxa. Okay. And the person presenting it is Dr. Dennis Lee, who was my acupuncture teacher back in Calgary. And so he is the translator from the Chinese language into English um, of the famous Dr. Chen Rishin who's the head of this <laughs> who's the head of this style of moxibustion and really the founder of this style of moxibustion in China so he's quite a very famous doctor in China this is this type of mox is practiced in over 100 hospitals in China it's a really wow. huge big deal how long so tell me the the lineage of this style or what what do you know about this style of moxa then I'm looking at this. You brought in this great big, humongous <laughs> yeah. moxa wand. Yeah. That's maybe two to three times the size, the diameter. Yeah. Of a regular huge. moxa it's, it's stick. Huge. Yeah. It smells really good too. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, essentially, how it works. So I'm also going to be attending the seminar. I'm not. Mm. So I'm very excited to do the training myself. Um, I've been experimenting with it with my patients and getting really strange, wild, ineffective results. Because mm-hmm. the moxa de chi sensation is this whole kind of new thing to me. So essentially, you kind of probe around. Like, say, if you have a diagnosis and you pick your points, that generally I need some stomach 36 and some REN12. Um, essentially, the, the, you would probe around the acupoint looking for the heat-sensitive spot. So essentially, once you get to that and you're, you're kind of communicating back and forth with your patient, and like, okay, so once you arrive at that spot, which might be just a little bit off from where it's supposed to be on paper, the point. Right. Um, it's like if there's a disease, the point becomes open. And then you moxa that point until the point closes. And so there's a very strong reaction when you're over a heat-sensitive spot that might feel like um, it might transmit to yeah. another part of the body, to another acupoint. It might feel like it's penetrating through to the other side of the body. You might get a feeling at a totally different location of the body. Or sometimes you even feel cold, even though it's, you're applying moxa. Mm-hmm. And then essentially that sensation is quite intense. And then you essentially the treatment is holding that point until until that's the sensation goes away so it's it's indirect it's indirect yeah, yeah. so you're holding the the stick over the point you're just not moving it around exactly. so much you're not you're not moving it around so much you're, you're staying you're staying pecking or no you're not pecking you're just going to the right kind of right limit I, I move the stick slightly yeah but there's also a machine 
there's this smokeless machine. So that's a nice thing about it too, is that okay. this would make a crazy amount of smoke. Sure. Is that with this style, they've also developed a, a technology that essentially it's, it's attached to a handle and there's no smoke that comes out because it gets filtered through this machine. Right. And then it's also got an arm. So once I find the heat sensitive spot, I just leave it. So you, I, you, I don't have to be there the whole. Oh, time. so the 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 machine holds. Yes, it the holds stick. it, and it takes all the smoke away. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I've and, uh, in terms of self treatment too, because you know, like sometimes, like you know, needling yourself at home. Well, I do get treated by other acupuncturists quite often, but at home, I love moxing myself. Yeah. So using this machine with a couple needles, and it's super profound. Wow, that's really yeah. cool. That's mm-hmm. completely different from the style of moxa that I learned in my classical yeah. Japanese program. Right. So um, in Japanese acupun- acupuncture, at least the, the system that I learned, um, I studied with a guy named Mikishima, okay. uh, who did a tremendous amount of moxa yeah. in his therapies as well. And then I worked with a uh, this was like maybe 20 years ago. I learned um, rice grain moxa yeah. techniques from a British Columbia practitioner who did it like old fashioned style. You, you make, you roll the, the thread, you put it on the point and then you take a bamboo, a hollow bamboo and you put it over it to let it burn out and suck up all the air. Yeah. Um, and it's it's still a diff, it's a different way of getting that heat into the body right. of using moxa but i think in both systems moxa is a, an emphatic part of the treatment right. it's not just needling right um, cuz what's the po- like i guess the whole theory is you're just doing acupuncture that's half the treatment right right then you especially in the north i think right yeah i mean i didn't use a lot of moxa down in arizona right <laughs> <laughs> but now that i'm back here i'm really remembering yeah. how much moxa i used back in my practice right. in arizona yeah but one of the reasons I got away from using stick moxa was, yeah, because of all the smoke. Right. When I did uh, thread moxa, of course, there's really mostly what you smell is the incense stick. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, but I guess, yeah, I can see how you would need that. I, I, I'm curious what the machine looked like. Is it? Well, I have a picture on my phone. You know what? You'll have to send it to me so I could put it, yeah. it up on the page okay. when I post this, this uh, podcast, right? Yeah. I will absolutely send it to you just quickly, though. It looks like that. Oh wow! Yeah. So it's not even a little vent. It looks like a. <laughs> it looks like a little ammo box. <laughs> with a, a with an yeah. with a one of those arm you know um, lamp arms attached to it. That's right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. you'll have to send me that send so I can put it. If you are enjoying the eMedicine show and would like to continue having content relevant to the profession like this episode, please consider supporting me on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Your support helps me cover things like podcast hosting, equipment rentals and upgrades, and ultimately helping to raise money to, to launch an Ontario acupuncture and TCMP association. Membership also comes with benefits. A premium subscription is as little as two dollars a month. That's less than the cost of a store-bought latte. Your membership comes with exclusive access to members-only bonus content, practice management and technique tips and tricks, and my everlasting gratitude expressed on air. So pause this podcast right now and go to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash to sign up and support the eMedicine show. 
I will wait here for you. So what? So okay. So you told me a little bit about what got you into acupuncture yes. because of your own personal health journey. Yes. Um, what's what brought you to Ontario? Why Why did you come to Toronto? The music scene. <laughs> <laughs> so you were practicing acupuncture and yeah. you were loving it, but you weren't able to. What What do you do music wise? So, um, music and medicine is kind of me in my life. Yeah. So. I think I said briefly earlier I did a degree in music first. I was playing a bunch of music in Alberta, and then Toronto just has a bigger, more diverse music scene. So, and I also ha- do have some family here. Yeah. So I thought, why don't I move to Toronto, center of the universe? And, uh, and do <laughs> I'm glad this is a locally Ontario <laughs> podcast. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> do you know when when uh, one of the ways I connected with my Canadian snowbird patients was, oh, you're from you're from Alberta. I'm yeah. also Canadian. Oh yeah, where are you from? And I would say. Yeah very deliberately, Toronto. <laughs> and they would always roll their eyes and they're right. like, well, I guess I can still work with you. Right. Funny, right? <laughs> all, the, all the Toronto animosity, especially out west. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So were you seen as a traitor? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm sure, you know, there's definitely a few, uh, a few, um, you know, a few jabs, a few yeah. jokes about it. A few jabs, a few pokes. And then I used to go back and forth all the time, but then the last five years now, I've really, like, I'm here all the time. Yeah. yeah. So are you in a band? Do you play regular gigs? I am. Yeah. I am. I, my band is my ego project, so it carries my name, the Greg Cockrell Band. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, ha- I had two albums come out. 2008 2011 and then i used to tour the country quite a bit with my band playing that it's like it's kind of like roots rock yeah i'm uh music such some blues and country influences in there cool and, did you uh, do like the folk festivals and stuff yes i did a did you do the winnipeg festivals. folk festival i have not played the winnipeg folk festival what festivals have you played uh, the calgary folk festival the edmonton folk festival uh a bunch of the ontario ones as right. well yeah, they're always a lot of fun. How how does music and acupuncture practice in, integrate in your life? Like, how does one inform the other and vice versa? That's a great question. Um, so I don't do them both on purpose, but together they keep me sane. Yeah. Um, and I find that with needling or with even moxa and getting a duchy sensation, there's, in terms of, you know, not to get too ethereal here, but there's vibrations to it. Yeah. And I find that with music, there's the same thing as even though, you know, one guitar player to the next, they might both be very competent and good. But I find that for me, the thing that makes me good is kind of vibrating with the music. And so I find that getting a duchy sensation and playing live is very similar. In terms you know, that of seems very, energetic. Kind of very strange, but no, yeah. that like makes a lot of, of sense. Like getting a timbre from yeah. a note. Yeah. So it's not like how you're playing it, but getting the timbre out of the note is similar to needling. Well, sure. I mean, sound is energy. Yeah. Moxa is energy. Yeah. I know my my Japanese teacher, the one who taught really focused on the moxa, he would say to people, if they'd say, well, what's so special about mugwort? Why can't right. we just use any kind of right. herb? And he always talked about the energetic quality yeah. of the heat, the, yes. that it has a very specific, of, because I don't know the physics word, vibration. Right. You know, um, 
frequency. The frequencies, yeah. The infrared yeah. signatures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a music signature. Yeah. yeah. So is Moxa um, a, a major or a minor chord? <laughs> oh, a major or minor chord? That's funny. Yeah, definitely major. Yeah. So tell me about the seminar then. What kind of... How long is it? It's three days? It's three days. So the first day, we'll be learning all about this type of moxibustion and this type of moxibustion and applying it. Right. Um, the second day, it's mainly going to be looking at specific diseases. And then there's, there's about 18, I think, different diseases they're going to cover um, and how you would treat it with heat-sensitive moxibustion. Yeah. Um, like, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, chronic constipation, so on and so forth. Um, and then the third day is actually going to be a clinic kind of open to the public. So we're actually going to be treating using heat-sensitive moxa on the last day. That's excellent. And um, and also Dr. Dr. Chen is going to Skype in and take questions um, about about this type of moxibustion. So from China? It's be, so it's going to be very hands-on, which is from China. Yeah. That's awesome. And when we do level the level two seminar, which might happen, I, th- I think, probably in the fall, he will actually come also for that that's great yeah um so it's yeah it's very exciting and so that's what it'll be and then you get your you get a big certificate from the government of china fancy (laughs) fancy letters and it looks very good you know i think that is that knocks it out of the park in terms of its value as a ceu course um i know a lot of times for me just Observing or going to a seminar without being able to actually have the chance to practice it in clinic, yeah, it's really easy to forget what you learn. It's really easy to not end up integrating it into your clinical practice. Absolutely, this is fantastic. Yeah, that really adds tremendous amount of value to the pro. To yeah, the... I, I completely agree. So that is April twentieth to twenty second, which is over the Easter weekend. And where is it happening? It's happening at eight branches. Yeah. So one twelve Merton. So Young and uh, Davisville. Is right. The, uh, uh, yeah, it's a yeah, it the Davisville subway stop. Yeah, the yeah. Davisville subway stops. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to talk to you about your practice a little bit. Absolutely. You have a completely different model than a lot of the other people I've talked to so far, in that you're working out of your home. Right. What made you decide to do that? <sighs> wow, that's a great question. Um, it. It goes really well with my personality and the fact that I was always kind of that I always play a lot of music as well My schedule can fluctuate. Yeah, so I find that you know renting and setting up a certain amount of times for me That wasn't ideal the flexibility that working out of home allows me is really why I started doing that and that I had the space So right. I'm very fortunate that you know, I can be in Toronto and own a home and so you know most people um, You know don't have a space they can do that with and so um, I love practicing in my home because it's kind of, my patients really like it as well because it's kind of like, uh, it's more informal, it's less clinical. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it allows me also to charge what I want a bit more because I can be more flexible with my pricing. Okay. That if I say I'm renting a space, well, you know, I need to be charging $80 an hour or whatever to sustain the place and to make sure that I can keep working. So where I am right now, there's no pressure to do that. It keeps your overhead down. Um, yeah, because there's no overhead. If anything, it's you know a write-off or whatever. Right. Um, so this way, like if people are coming three times a week, I can charge. You know, really do it like community acupuncture style, where they you know I'm not really not breaking people's bank accounts. Yeah. So an example, like if a regular treatment's eighty dollars, but if someone's got this acute thing and they're coming three times a week, 
I'm just charging them $130 for the week. Right. You know, so it's a lot more affordable um, and lends itself that I can do more of that, you know, balance method type community acupuncture when I, when I feel it's warranted. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have your studio in your home too. A music studio? Yeah. No. But uh, I think if my if my wife was here, she would disagree with me a little bit because our uh, our basement. You know, if I mean, if you have over eight guitars in a room and a whole PA system, and all, I guess that call that's you know qualifies as a studio, right? Isn't it? Is that what you- <laughs> There's guitars everywhere in my house. Yeah. I um. Uh, a, a friend of mine who was the owner of a school in Tucson yeah. was also a musician okay. and he had a studio like yeah. half his house was a studio yeah. and it was two blocks away from the school he started oh great um, deliberately set up that way yeah yeah so it's interesting music and acupuncture as a thing yeah and also, you don't have to deal with Toronto rush hour traffic. That's the thing. And if someone cancels on you, usually you're kind of happy. No, you're not even not that happy, but it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I can't make it. It's like, no problem. I'm going to play guitar for an hour. Right. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not really off-putting as opposed to if I'm somewhere else and now I'm just, you know, sitting in my acupuncture room. Trying to figure out what to do for an hour, yeah, right? So, so your next patient gets there. There's not that, and I have a, I have a newborn baby oh, at home too. Yeah. So you know, it's like put the needles in, go play with my baby. You know, that's another great thing about working out of home. Yeah. You can do things like that. Right. Yeah. And it makes sense too about your dog. Yeah. Walking in and out. Yeah. And... Yeah. Cool. Um, have you ever was your clinic in um, in Calgary like that? Did you work out of your home there? Uh, yes, and I did. I never really set up a big practice in Cal. Like I, I, I would, I would do mobile as well. Okay. So I would see people at home. Um, I did have, I did have a treatment room there, and I would go visit people as well. Um, so yes, but I wasn't really, I wasn't full time when I was yeah. in, when I was in Calgary. I was just really starting out. We're taking a short break for some community events and announcements. Heat-sensitive moxibustion level one certification. This three-day comprehensive seminar introduces students to the heat-sensitive moxibustion system. It is a unique approach to treatment, techniques, and protocols that integrate with other aspects of TCM. It is on April 20th to 22nd, and it's presented by SNAP TCM at the Eight Branches Academy of Eastern Medicine, eightbranches.ca. For a 10% discount to the seminar, use the code YEMEDICINESHOW when you register. TCM Theory and Essential Oils, a foundational class about the nature and properties of various essential oils from a TCM perspective and how to use them for conditions like insomnia, B-syndrome, anxiety, and more. Classes will be a mix of experiential learning, lectures, activities, and case studies. This is 9 to 5 on April 27th, and it's 16 credits. For information, contact Joy Walraven, joy at joywalraven.com, or call 416-877-3960. Coming up in May... Yamamoto New Scalp Acupuncture is a fast and easy to learn system that complements conventional Chinese medicine treatment. May 24th to 27th at the Tzu Chi Foundation of Canada, 416-621-7996 for information. 
Dow Needle Therapy, a revolutionary acupuncture technique that consistently eliminates scar tissue and stubborn pain utilizing a special style of acupuncture needle and a variety of diagnostic tools to bridge the gap between CM and musculoskeletal chain. May 25th and 26th, contact the Ontario College of TCM for details. These CEU listings are provided by the eMedicine Show as a free service to the community. If you or your college has a seminar or workshop of interest to RX and RTCMPs, please send the information to me, Elise Terra, at gmail.com. That's E L Y S E T E R A at gmail.com. Do you have a job posting or opening at your clinic? Please send me an email with details and I will help you get the word out. And now let's get back to our conversation. So tell me about the influences on your life besides your Mock Sebastian martial arts instructor, mm-hmm. who, in terms of acupuncture systems, oh, okay. what, what do you, what's influenced you the most in the way you perform acupuncture? That's a great question. Um, I would say that definitely some of my influences were my teachers in Calgary. Yeah. What the, school did you go to there? Uh, Alberta College of Acupuncture and Traditional Chinese Medicine. Okay. So the person presenting the seminar, um, Dennis Lee, he's a great speaker and a great acupuncturist. So him and another teacher, Colton Oswald, they're just, they're really, really good acupuncturists. And so their style, I think also, you know, rubbed off on me as well. Right. But in terms of like, you know, getting dochi from all of your points is something that's always been very important for me. Um, yeah, and I love the balance method thing and eat like when I was a student, I remember thinking there's got to be more than just, I found it really herbalized, like the point prescriptions and things like that. And then like, you know, this point does this and this point, like I'm a big fan of, you know, diagnosing, then pick your channel. And then the point is really the last thing and get your duchy out of the point. So that's kind of my thing. Um, but I loved when I finally saw, did the balance method seminars. I just missed Dr. Tan when he was here those years ago. I really wish I would have canceled whatever I was doing to go to that. Yeah. But I love it because it really incorporates, you know, I Ching and balance into the needling and the acupuncture. Um, so that is also a big um, influence on how I practice in terms of balancing internal and external channels, hand and foot, all that stuff. Um Mm-hmm. I'd say those are the main influences. Cool. Yeah. How busy are you? Uh, I see just over 30 people a week. Yeah. Yeah. And that feels right for you? That's totally right for me. I don't work weekends as okay. well. So I take my weekends off. I see three. And, I, and I te- of course, I, I teach as well. Right. So I've got, um, I teach 12, oh, sorry, I teach 12 hours a week. Okay. And you teach where? At Eight Branches. Yeah. And at OCTCM downtown. Yeah. So I do, I see right currently now. I teach one day at eight branches, and then I, t- I supervise clinic at OCTCM. Okay. So I do that, and then I see about 30 people a week. And for me, that's a perfect load. Yeah, so you, you're teaching, you're treating, and you're playing music. Yeah. That's pretty balanced. Yeah, I yeah. think, you know. And sometimes. you have a newborn. And I have a newborn. Because that's a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got in big trouble from uh, one of my patients a couple days ago. Because I was like, oh, can I come at this time next week? And, and I had my calendar that, that my partner was going to get a haircut. So I'm like, no, I've got to babysit my kid. I said that by accident to babysit. And she's like, what did you just say? 
<laughs> she called you out. Oh yeah. You're I a father. It. You're not She's babysitting. Like, it's not babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, of course, I definitely didn't mean uh, that expression. <laughs> yeah, I loved being called out on it. That was good. Yeah. Um, what would you tell a new practitioner who's just starting out? who just got their license, what piece of advice would you give them? Okay. So I would, I would honestly probably tell them to don't stress about trying to be busy right away. Yeah. Get a part-time job. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, Dude, that's you know, totally the opposite of what I tell my I patient, figured that my might students. be, I figured that might be the opposite, <laughs> but I think, I think just, you know, just, I'd like, cause I find that some people right away, they're like, they're going to try to tr- pressure people into, you know, like you need to come 20 times and set up for this and, yeah. and, um, and they don't have a ton of experience yet. And, and you pressure your friends and things like that. And I think just, you know, take it easy and, uh, ease into it. You're going to get there. Yeah. Just don't quit. You practice by, by being successful with the, the, with the patients that you do have and not trying to force it. You're going to get good. And your practice will get busy. And of course, you know, yes, promote and do all these things. But I'm, I was, I guess I was also lucky that my part-time job was music and I love doing it. So, but I think it's great if there's not that pressure to have to all of a sudden go from being a full-time student to paying all of your bills with acupuncture and you just like, that's, that's crazy pressure. So the reason I say that is just to try to, you know, don't try not to have that pressure on yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's really good that you say that. I appreciate your honesty, and it's definitely making me think a little bit because the the, the way I teach is very much you got to put your energy into if it's what you want to do, you right. got to put your energy because okay. if you have a part time job, then your energy is you know <laughs> it's literally the opposite thing. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly yeah. the opposite. But I'm I'm actually going to tell my students that next right. time oh, cool. because I don't. I think it's important also that they like you said I that they don't overstress right. about it. Yeah. Um, and I think people who are lucky who already have support, whether it's from a part-time job or a partner or yeah. whatever, um, I think that they can have a little bit more flexibility in terms yeah. of easing into it. I know when I started, I went full right. full bore into it. But, I mean, I'd already been doing shiatsu for right. uh, for four years before I started. Yeah doing acupuncture and uh, yeah i think what you're saying is great as well there's also uh, it's probably not this it's not probably not the same recipe for everyone like for some people i totally think that yeah throw yourself you know absolutely yeah i think everyone's a bit different and some people that are not very social as well or introverted more more. more introverted it might be a bit more difficult to get out there they might come you know come across as pushy and disingenuous about you know yeah but i definitely in terms of what you're throwing yourself into in terms of the mindfulness and kind of in your state of mind in your life as you're trying to set up a practice that's incredible of course that's paramount yeah so I definitely agree with that and also I one of the, I think one of the good things about working out of your own home is you have you have the space to expand without having to dish out another chunk of money and open it yeah. you know and buy or rent more right. office space yeah. so that also gives you a lot of additional flexibility there and reduces right. a lot of the stress i think yeah yeah uh something else that's cool now that wasn't here five years ago before regulation is there's acupuncture jobs yeah there's job postings people are hiring acupuncturists in ontario now yep. that's mind-blowing yeah so i mean even though like you know you might be making 25 bucks an hour doing acupuncture so I'm like you're still 
as a starting position as an acupuncturist, it's amazing that's there. Right. Because when I was coming up, there's no jobs. If you're going to get hired in a multidisciplinary clinic, they're not giving you patients, and mm-hmm. you just you know you're making whatever you bring in. Um, but then why can't I just bring them into my house and, t- and take the hundred percent instead of the sixty percent? Right. Right. So yeah, I've, I've, a lot of the students I've had that I've seen graduate now, they're employed yeah. and they're very happy in their jobs. And I think this is so amazing because those opportunities were not there for me. What kind of places are, are providing jobs for acupuncturists right now that you know about? Um, multidisciplinary kind of clinics. Um, there's like a, you know, there's a, I think a Japanese acupuncture studio as well, where they have several different acupuncturists kind of practicing in certain styles, you mm-hmm. know, spas, different things like that. Most places like this always want a couple acupuncturists on staff now. Um, and I think that's just really great because before there wasn't the interest. We'll have a massage, we'll have physio, we'll have, oh, we've got a chiro that does acupuncture. Yeah. We don't need you. Yeah. But now it's different. Everyone wants acupuncture. So we need to keep educating other health professions and other health clinics yeah. about what we do so that they look to us to come in instead of, oh, well, we've got a chiropractor doing right. it or a physio doing it. Yeah. And, of course, not to... Not to um, hate on chiropractors or physicians. Yeah. We're just differentiating <laughs> just about, the we're styles. Just about acupuncture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I've loved it. There's some I love some chiropractors and some physios and some time and place for everything. Yeah. Like I when I had my practice in Ottawa, I worked two days a week in a town called Winchester, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. Um at a physio clinic right. and they the owners were these two lovely uh, women who own that clinic there and then another one um, just in a town West of there, yeah, um, it's about forty minutes south of Ottawa. Yeah, is where this clinic was, and um, they welcomed an acupuncturist yeah. coming in to work, even though they were also doing dry needling and offering right. dry needling. Right, but they kept me pretty busy. Cool, you know, and it was really interesting actually going back to the whole dry needling conversation because when I started working there, and they were yeah. like, "Oh, you do acupuncture, we do dry needling," and I right. had never heard that term before. This was like. 20 years ago, right? I, I love that. And, and I'm like, so what is dry needling? Oh, it's yeah. like acupuncture, but it, it's musculoskeletal. Yeah. And then she did it on me. And, it, and I'm yeah, like, right. you know, this feels a lot like acupuncture. <laughs> Except, Except it hurts I have better technique. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Any last word of advice? Any last... Uh, <laughs> comment that we didn't cover anything else you want to go over well i'm very pleased with our conversation um if there's no no advice or anything like that but um i would i would recommend coming to the seminar if you're if you're able and interested yeah um i think it's really going to be a special seminar and be really valuable to anyone's practice and uh yeah great well thanks for coming in greg thank you it's been great talking with you it's been wonderful talking with you You've been listening to The Yee Medicine Show, conceptualized, produced, and edited by me, Elise Terra. Music is The Quiet Solitude by Melody Loops. This has been a Maudie Doo production.